Our text is Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 50, page 819. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good in containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, it seems easy, but it's also very hard. Please grant us understanding that the things I say might also align with the things that you say and the heart that you have for the salvation of many. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1986, two Israeli fishermen who worked along the north shore of the Sea of Galilee noticed something sticking out of the mud on the beach during a particularly dry season which caused the Sea of Galilee to retreat further than usual. What they found turned out to be a small fishing vessel that dated back to the time of Jesus. Up until this point, historians had really relied on word of mouth for all their information about the fishing boats and the fishing practices of the region. And now here was confirmation. This boat from the region and the time, just sitting there waiting for them. No one knows who owned the boat or who sailed in it or who tethered it every night. That remains a mystery. But it was such a boat and to these fishing practices that Jesus spoke of in our text this morning in Matthew 13, verses 47 to 50, that tell us of the fishing trade in his day that his disciples knew so well. The daily fishing trade involved shallow, flat-bottomed boats like the one that turned up that particular day. And they were built that way so they could come in, right in close to the shore, pulling behind them a large net 30 metres or so long, that's longer than this church, with corks along the top to keep them afloat and weights along the bottom, so that it was pulled along, as it was pulled along, it was kept at a full span to catch the fish. One end of the net would be tied to something on the shore and the boat would move in a semicircle out into the lake and then on to another place in the shore so it would scoop up within the net all the different species of fish, 24 I am told, that leave in the Sea of Galilee. Then once the catch had been landed, the hard work 
would begin of separating and sorting through the fish. Some, according to the law of Moses, if they had no scales or fins, would be discarded as ceremonially unclean and therefore forbidden from sale. Other fish, the ones that were inedible, would also be thrown out. And the rest would be set aside, popped into whatever would hold them and taken off to market to be sold or eaten for dinner. This was how life worked out all around the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And so when Jesus spoke in these terms, in the last of these parables we're looking at in Matthew 13, what he said would have made enormous sense to those who heard him. These people lived these things. And because of that, while he had them in the palm of his hand, so to speak, Jesus could also slip something else in under their guard. This is what makes the concluding parable in our series of studies on these parables so very, very pointed. Now we need to note that Jesus is not talking as he says these things to the massed crowds. They began hearing his ministry in chapter 13, in the first half of the chapter, it was to the crowds that Jesus was casting the net and speaking in parables. But verse 36 reminds us that these crowds have all been dispersed. And Jesus is now speaking with the disciples. And by using the details of their stock and their trade and livelihood, the conclusion we come to is fairly unavoidable. That the message of the parable wasn't told for the benefit of everyone's ears, but it was told for the church. It was told to those who claim to be the followers of Jesus. And as it does... It teaches us about the church and it teaches us about three big ideas. First, Jesus taught his followers about their mission. Their mission. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a net thrown into the sea that gathers fish of every kind. Now, according to verse 49 that a fish that are found in the net are simply people, human beings, men and women, boys and girls, called by the preaching of the gospel. So this net that's cast into the lake can be nothing other than the gospel message itself. The message of his death and resurrection that is broadcast, gossiped, preached, shared, googled, and spoken of across the whole world. That's the net. And that's the gospel. This message is to be cast out widely, indiscriminately, intentionally, carefully, regularly, and visibly. That's the task of the church. That's our mission. 
to cast the net of the gospel into the world. Now, we could remember here that most of the disciples had come from the backgrounds in the fishing industry. And we could remember that Jesus said, as we heard in Luke chapter 5 this morning, follow me, he said, and I will make you, what? I'll make you fishers of men. So when he told this parable in these terms, these disciples knew well what Jesus was talking about. It was for them. They were to be the fishers of men. But let's not limit it just to them. Let's also remember that Jesus spoke this to us, his church. See, just as fishing was the ordinary, everyday business of these disciples' daily lives, so to evangelism and sharing the good news of Christ must be the ordinary, everyday business of God's people. After all, aren't we called to be casting the net into the world? Wesley considered the world his parish. Do you consider the world in that way? Your parish? That's our calling. That's our task. We're called to go cast the net of the gospel and catch people of all kinds. We're not being effective as a church if we're not finding fresh ways amid the traditional ways of bringing the good news about Jesus to the city we live in, of casting the net in a different way. We are fishers of men if we're followers of Jesus. We have no warrant from him to leave our nets coiled on the shore. Our mission is the gospel. We are not called to be the moral policemen of the community. We are not called to be the social workers for the city. Our work is clear and specific. We are to be casting the gospel net into the world to catch as many for the kingdom of God as we can, letting them hear that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that he is the saviour, that he has borne the wrath and the curse of God for his people. So in casting the net, we're calling people to come to Christ. How are you doing at that? Casting the net into your world. See, God has very cleverly arranged it, hasn't he? that each of us come from a different place, a different neighbourhood, a different school if you go to school, a different university if you're there, a different workplace if you work. So each of us have got a place to cast the net into, a different family. It's a very clever plan of God that each of us have different callings and abilities, that each of us move in differing circles. And within those differing circles and under the guise of our different callings, we each have an opportunity to be net casters. I can't go to your workplace and cast the net, but you can. I can't go into your school and cast the net but you can. I can't be in all of your neighbourhoods to cast the net, but you can in yours. When did you last cast the gospel net into your world? 
When did you last at least invite someone to come to church and hear about the gospel we speak about? When did you last open your mouth and speak and testify for Jesus? It's the ordinary business of the church to be about casting the net of the gospel. But it also means under this same point that we can't be selective in our targets. The net that's cast into the water behind the boat can't be selective, can it? By design, it catches all kinds of fish. If you were standing on the shore and Peter and the others put out into the lake to go fishing one day and you called out to them, what are you fishing for? They would look at you nonplussed in amazement and say, well, fish, of course. That's what we catch. We get what we catch. We're looking for fish and we catch what we catch. And so the gospel has to be cast and it has to be cast wide. It's not just for some people, it's for all kinds of people. And just as a wise fisherman knows the best place to go fishing and the best times of day and the best habits and customs of the target fish, so we need to be wise about understanding the people we're trying to reach. What are their issues? What are their preoccupations? What are their struggles? What are their presuppositions? What are their hopes? What are their fears? But granting all of that, never hesitating to share the gospel out of consideration that they might be different from us. We mustn't restrict our attempts to fill the nets just because we're not sure of someone's educational background or their moral background or their social background or their cultural background. We must look them in the eye and lovingly and winsomely and warmly offer them what we have found in Jesus Christ through the net of the gospel. Secondly, notice there's something here not just about the mission of the church but the Jesus teaches his followers about the makeup of the church. Again in verse 47 you will see that the fish that are caught in the net are of every kind. That is, of the 24 species of fish that are found in the Sea of Galilee, this net that is cast catches some of them all. One of the good things that the census results do is give us a picture of what's happening in our state and our land I really like the cities, the series put out by the Herald Sun that said if Victoria were a hundred people, well, here's what we would find. As so many would be male and so many female, so many doctors, so many dentists, so many Hindus, so many Buddhists, so many under 50, so many over 50 and so on. And so it's with this in relation to the net of the gospel. The net scoops up all kinds of people rich and poor, old and young, educated and uneducated, the hurting and the happy, the black and the white, the healthy and the sick, the singles and the marrieds, the CEOs and the single mums. All kinds of people from all walks of life are scooped up into the net of the gospel and brought into the visible group of those who follow Jesus, the church. Because the church of Jesus 
makes visible the kingdom of heaven when it gathers together people from everywhere at every stage. And this means that this Presbyterian church isn't for one type of class of people. It isn't for one segment of society. It should represent all walks of life, all colours. It's for Bendigo. It's for the world. It's for you, whoever you are, regardless what kind of fish you are. Now, it's not always easy to do that. And we must confess that as the church, we haven't always gotten that right. And there's no guarantee that we won't always get it right in the future also. We are a work in progress, that is true to say. But this is our calling and this is who we are to be. We are to be as a window into another world where anyone may look in and glimpse, ah, look, there's the kingdom of heaven. There's people, there's fish of every kind, people of every stripe and standing, together in the net, liking each other, loving each other. The nature of the church is a mixed assembly. The net of the gospel gathers in a catch, but those who cast the net don't control who ends up in the net. Fish of all kinds are landed in the net. There are some fish that can only be rejected, but they're in the net until the work of the separation of the net begins. So it is in the church. We're a mixed assembly. When we sit under the sound of the gospel week in and week out, we are gathered as a result of the ministry of the gospel. The word of God has come to us. Within us are wheat and weeds, as we have seen. Within us are sheep and goats. Within us are fish that will go to the market and fish that won't. Being in the net doesn't mean you're a good catch. There are true and false converts. There are real and counterfeit believers. There are those who have attached themselves to the church, been caught in the net as it were, for all kinds of reasons other than they've come to faith in Jesus. The church is and will remain a mixed assembly of those who are regenerate and unregenerate, of those who are born again and those who think they are but are not until the end. And that's enormously sobering and enormously helpful, isn't it? It's enormously sobering, as we'll see in a few moments, because the shoreline's approaching. The final separation is coming. And not all who sit in the pew find a home in heaven. But it's immensely sobering as well, and immensely helpful in this way. It helps correct our wrong expectations about the church. See, we can be so easily scandalised when we find sin among the saints. We're outraged when the church doesn't do what it's supposed to do. We're outraged when its ministers fail as we inevitably will. When its officers let you down. When its members offend you. But Jesus is helping us remember that the visible church is both divine and human. It has to be. It has to be sure 
the sanction and the authorization of the word of God. It's inhabited by the blessing and presence of God. It's entrusted with the gospel. It's the custodian of the means of grace. But it's still also instituted by our Lord in such a way that sinners administer it. Fallible men who can't see hearts. And so the church will always be a mixed multitude, believers and unbelievers, until the end and knowing that hort knowing that ought help adjust our expectations. So we're not surprised when the church that we see on earth fails to be the perfect church that one day it will be. The parable of the net ought help us to practice patience within the church of Jesus as we strive together to be the people we're called to be. Then third, Jesus spoke here to his followers about their future. Now Jesus had been speaking to them in terms they could understand, earthly things, or should I say aquatic things, nets and fish. But now in verses 49 to 50, Jesus takes this parable to a whole new level. See, it's not about nets and fish. It's not about methods of fishing. Jesus says it's about heaven and hell. Jesus says here, so will it be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Almost hesitate to go on. This is a solemn part of the parable. It echoes almost exactly the words of verses 41 and 42, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus here is reminding us that the true character of those who belong within the visible church will not remain hidden forever. The angels at the end of the age will oversee a great separation. We who share the gospel don't distinguish in the preaching and the sharing of it. We are able to make the offer of the gospel free and without reserve to all kinds of people, proclaiming it without discrimination. Whoever may come can come. Come to Christ, believe in him. Come. But, and here's the bit the world doesn't like, God doesn't do that. He makes a very clear distinction among those who hear the gospel and he judges accordingly using the response to the gospel as his tool for judgment. So there are sheep and there are goats. There are wheat and there are weeds. There are fish that go to market and there are fish that are rejected according to his complete and perfect knowledge of who it is that comes before him on the last day. Even those who come before him after having been caught in the net of the gospel and included in the church. Let me say that again because it's so important. There are fish that are accepted and fish that are rejected according to his complete and perfect knowledge 
of who it is that comes before him on the last day, even after having been caught in the net and been in the church. Jesus says in Matthew 7, those terrible words, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Not all who appear in the net are outwardly the right kind of fish who are going to be with him forever. Jesus is teaching us that being in the net is not sufficient reason to think you're safe. Just because you've heard the gospel is not enough. Millions have heard the gospel and millions have not believed the gospel. Millions have passed through the church visible over centuries of time and not one of them is guaranteed a place in the kingdom of heaven by virtue of being part of the church because salvation doesn't depend on being part of the church, a member in that sense. The text before us teaches us that people who are believers in appearance only will be found out. God will sort through the fish and he will determine the fish he wants and the fish he doesn't. And notice carefully, this is where the conclusion of the parable leaves us. A sober warning to the disciples, to the visible church of the net being drawn in toward the shore. Every day it comes closer and one day soon the great catch will be landed and Jesus will come back and the great separation will occur. If you're in the net but not converted, look what terrible destiny awaits you. Look what Jesus says. Fiery furnace, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a picture of hell. Some people wanting to minimise the horror of the image will quickly point out that this is a metaphor and that's true but in the end that doesn't help because the reality will far exceed the metaphor. So what then of the last parable in Matthew 13? Let's remember that Jesus isn't saying these words to the massed crowds. He's saying them to the disciples, to the church, to us. And what he's doing in this parable is sounding an alarm. And this time it's not a drill. It's not a drill. He's not saying, listen up, I'm not being serious here. Uh, This is just a drill. Uh, Turn up the volume and drown out the sound of the alarm. Don't panic, this is not real. He's not doing that. He's telling these things as they are so you can hear the sound of the alarm, so that you can get to safety, so that you can warn as many people along the way as you can, so that you can abandon any thoughts of trusting in your works or what you have done or what I have done or the fact that you belong to the visible church, or that you were once a fish in the net, or you once heard the gospel. Can you hear the alarm sounding? Being part of a church but having an unconverted heart offers no immunity from the wrath to come. But there is a place of safety. 
there is a place. And his name is Jesus. And he has quenched the flames for all who will turn to him and trust in him. No one need die or perish or face the wrath of God without hearing of the saving grace of Christ. Something freely offered to the whole world. Two weeks ago we finished with John 3.16 but today it's the lines after that. Verses 17 to 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There is a safe place. Are you in that safe place? It might be good in the net, but it's better to be in the Lord's hands, coming to him, putting our hope and trust in him as the only hope we have in order to be saved. And if you know you're in the safe place, will you tell others where and how to find the safe place of Jesus? Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for these difficult words, words that really challenge us to the heart and force us to consider our standing before you But it's nothing new, nothing we do on earth ever guarantees salvation. It's what you have done for us. And to make sure that we are on the right side when you come back is what we're called to do. And also the task of letting others know that there is one who saves We remember that sign on the side of the city building. The end of all things is at hand. Flee to Jesus. He will save you. We thank you that there is a saviour. We want to be caught in his net, not the net of the world. We want to be found among the righteous fish, not the unrighteous ones. Not that we have any righteousness of our own to claim, but holy trust in Jesus' name. We come with thankful hearts that though we have this warning before us, we have the way of escape always motivated and given to us because of your love. Thank you for this. Hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come.